Hi, good afternoon, man. How are you doing, Lance? I'm good, and yourself? Good to see you. Good to see you, man. It's been a minute. It has. It really, really yeah. has. No, but it's a pleasure. I Listen, I'm happy you took the time to come out to be on part of the podcast. The podcast name is Dream Plan Execute. I highlight and look for persons who dream frictionless, plan thoroughly, execute relentlessly. And you, Lance, are one of those persons. You've shown time and time again to be in an industry that's difficult to break in and yeah. consistently growing over time. But we, I want to bring it back to how we met, right? Yeah. You know, it, it's an interesting story because I'm leaving from work and I normally go and work out at the park, Tillery Park. And we just kicked it off. You and your friend was out there working out. You guys put me through the gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I love those days. I always reference those days, the gauntlet. Yeah. You know, I was, you know, we're doing the ladder push-ups. I never done so much push-ups in my life, man, at one time. I was sore for days. So, um, no, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. But I want to bring it back to how you started in the construction industry, but before that, like high school into where you are at Turnkey CEO. Got it. Well, one, I just want to say thank you for having me. Um, thank you for thinking of me as I continue to, you know, build my brand and grow my business and um, be in the forefront in the construction industry. And just even as a business owner overall, um, I really do appreciate these opportunities. So thank you for like, you know, seeing what I've got going on and uh, highlighting that. Absolutely. But, um, um, but to answer your question, so high school, so I'm a, I'm a New Yorker, um, Brooklyn born and raised. I was, you know, born in Kings County um, Hospital, which anybody from like New, New York City or Brooklyn knows, you know, um, Kings County. And um, I went to high school actually in East Flatbush, Tilden, uh, Tilden High School. Um, it was like my first choice on my, um, high school slip. And, and when I got accepted to the school, everybody was like, why did you choose there? Mm -hmm. Um, ironically enough, as a, I guess a 13 year old kid, um, I only look at the positives of why I wanted to go there, which was they had like a law program and a JV football team. Okay. Um, I didn't look at graduation rates. I didn't look at all that other stuff, which was like crime and data statistics and, you know, Put myself in a situation that I probably uh, shouldn't have been in, but you know, um, I actually am thankful for the experience because, like, just growing up in the city, you know, I wasn't always the biggest kid for people trying to like test you and, right. and rob you or uh, or just fight or whatever. And and I right. know this might seem you wonder how that correlates to business too. And 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 um, is that um, you know, I feel like those experiences made me battle tested. And if you're gonna be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you're going to be faced with battles. You're going to be faced with adversity. And it's really about like how you respond to those adversities or, you know, those battles. And, um, you know, growing up in high school, growing up in the city, having just to look out for myself and hold it down. Right. Um, I was already battle tested, like, you know, 100%. It, it, it's like a muscle, seriously. So 50 um, times about it all the time that, you know, mm -hmm. gangsters is not just in the street. He's like, I've dealt with people being pressed in the street. People get pressed in boardrooms. What you said? No, we're not doing it that way. This is how it's going down, right? So he, he says his experience being in Queens, New York, growing up there and dealing with that energy helps him in boardrooms when he's negotiating. So, it, And that's the funny thing, you know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, once again, I also went to like a public, like I said, pretty, if you look at it, it was like one of the most dangerous schools. Right. And, um, but just coming from, 
you know, that type of background and being in this position, you know, I think very, not everybody has that perspective. And I want to just, you know, validate the people who come from those backgrounds and those perspectives to see like, yo, you know, you may not be going to private school, like blah, 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 but don't count yourself out. You know what I mean? And, and because that's also what society values, but so, Mm -hmm. yeah, so, I mean, I, um, went to Tilden, uh, I ended up graduating high school early, um, in three and a half years as opposed to four years. Um, the high school curriculum in New York was really simple. It was like this amount of English, this amount of math. Um, so I was always like trying to get ahead based off some like personal life stuff that, uh, happened when I was, I was just always trying to be ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. Um, so by the, my senior year, the end of that, um, semester, the first semester, I had all my credits to graduate. Um, and I was a bit of a troublemaker. So I think I went back to some teachers, like, you know, told them off, like, yo, (laughs) remember you feel me? Like, blah, 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 baby. Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) And, um, it's just because I knew I could graduate no matter what at that point. Right. Nothing, no one could stop me. Yeah, and you um, senior, your step is different when you get to senior year, yo. Yep. So long story short, um, my uh, guidance counselor, who I used to be sent to her class, her, her room when I used to get kicked out of class multiple times, yeah. or different situations, I guess she was tired of me. Not I guess, she was clearly tired of me, and I had not known it. Right. So um, after I did that, she got a wind of it. And long story short, they ended up printing my diploma the same day like I got graduated like unintentionally. Like I went to school thinking, you know, mm-hmm. and they like sent me downstairs like, yo, you got your credits? Here's a diploma, bye, go. And I was like devastated. Right. Like, Wait, what? Like, huh? Like, yeah, because you wanted really- to walk. Because you wanted to walk, you wanted to invite the family. I, mean, I did I did walk in the end, but um I mean when I went to school that day thinking I'm gonna have a whole full semester of of high school to finish off senior year, you know, right. that's the, 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 the senior day pictures, Jersey day, wacky. T- I'm not right. in any of those pictures. I was not right. there, but I yeah. think it's a walk, but oh, so, nice. excuse me. So that being said, um, I graduate early and, um, I'm bored at home now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a person. I'm a very self-motivated person. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I've always been self-motivated. So I went and go and find a job and, um, and uh, I tried to apply to college now. Okay. Um, so I started at LaGuardia Community College. I started as a non-matriculated, like a non-degree student, just because to to ex- to speed up the acceptance process. If I would have tried to file formally, it was already past that deadline. Right. But I figured I'll matriculate at a later time. But let me just start taking classes towards what I think I want to study. And when right. I matriculate, I could transfer these classes over. That right. was the thought process behind it. Um, LaGuardia being the only school also who had like a spring semester that started in the March as opposed mm-hmm. to January. That's what allowed me to do that. Um, so that's how I ended up in LaGuardia uh, Community College. And then I ended up getting a job at KFC and um, for a couple months while I started school. And then um, I ended up getting a job at Ikea, which I was working in the kids department. Mm-hmm. And then which transferred translates into the construction industry, I became a kitchen planner um, while working at Ikea. Um, So that's going to be my segue into the industry initially. Um, I did kitchen design at Ikea for five years. I did it all throughout college. So I went to to CUNY LaGuardia. I got my associate's degree and then transferred to SUNY Stony Brook to Mm -hmm. get my bachelor's degree. Not a business school. I had only applied to two schools, um, SUNY Albany. And SUNY Stony Brook, I didn't get into Albany's business program because 
had a three one nine eight GPA or something like that, and and their business program was a three two. So I was like, Stony Brook, it is right. So, and I just wanted to get out of the house, to be honest. Yeah, no, um, that's that's good, man. You really um, like even though you're you're taking incremental steps, and that's what most people get stuck at, like they're home <laughs> and they don't make the initial step, right? The Japanese call it kaizen, which is continuous improvement. And that's what Toyota used to build Toyota, which is just small incremental steps give you exponential growth if done consistently, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're home, you're trying to figure it out, but you still went and got a job at KFC to keep your gears going, right? You're still, okay, I can't get in by the formal means of like a full degree program. How can I get in? How can I move? All right, I can get in like this. Okay, I'm in. Okay, no, no, I'm in. What's the next move? Oh, the next move, I can transfer over here and get the full degree. All right, bet. That's what I'm going to do. Most people don't see that momentum shift. And it's great as an entrepreneur, especially in construction, where conflicts always come up. Problems Mm -hmm. always come up. There's never a straight line to a problem solution. And if you get stuck with five guys just standing around in the field, you know, as a CEO and a construction head, how much that's going to cost you. Of course. So, no, that's really good experience that you had. So then you finish with uh, Stony Brook. What made you feel like, all right, I want to do construction as a as a CEO and running a construction company? Um, so I graduated Stony Brook. I thought yeah. I was going to go work corporate. Right. Um, America. I thought I was going to go be like a banker or something or go work at JP Morgan. Right. Um, and I kept like applying to these jobs and like no one would hire me. Mm. Um, I ended up, I ended up like applying for like what I felt like was a basic job, like a manager for 35 K. And once they didn't hire me, I was just like, yeah. screw this. Right. You got really though. You got it messed up. I don't got it messed up. Right. And, um, that's what made me start my business into the construction industry. So okay. I was a kitchen designer. Um, I had now had this degree mm-hmm. and I am still doing the same job that I had. So right. I didn't feel like I progressed in life and that was really sitting on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought like going to college was going to guarantee me uh, employment and it didn't. Right. Um, so I figured out like what skill did I have? And um, I, I, I equated the amount of hours I would I was making, like forty hours a week, how much money I would make in a month mm-hmm. doing designing kitchens in the store, and right. I figured if I could do the same thing, but per client, that was how I started. And then, it, um, what really started was that we used to sub out the kitchen installation to this third party company, right. and it was like a contract that no one really knew existed. Right. Um, but I used to see them funnel out i'm like yo this looks like pretty good money right here you know what i mean <laughs> like, right. you know they're like it was a volume-based business it was like two thousand dollar twenty five hundred dollar installs on average right so if i was making two thousand net making seventeen dollars an hour after taxes i was like that's two installs a month that's right. what that equated to in my head right I can get that. naive no you cannot just get that <laughs> so but that's how i started um i read rich dad poor dad um, after graduating college, yeah. um, I um, I read, I listened to a, sh- a J. Cole song called "She Gon' Pop." Uh, between Rich Dad Poor Dad and J. Cole "She Gon' Pop" song, I was like, you know what? And and not getting uh, hired 
for at blinds to go before 35k supervised. I was like, this is my time to like. Yep. Yep. You know. And you know what? Most great entrepreneurs are and are even sports because uh, personal. I always talk about having an athletic mindset. Mm. when you're doing things right like so if you're working as an entrepreneur even inside a company most people only see athletes for athletes i see myself like an intellectual athlete skill development is when to pay you right mm. so you developed a skill that was able to pay you money right mm. so there's that one thing then the next thing is for you to develop skill you have to go through strife right you have to do hard work and be consistent and persistent to develop the skill. But once you've got it, it doesn't really leave you, but you have to keep sharpening that tool, right? So that's what you did with that. And it's just seeing the nuance. Most people think you have to start in a, a big corporate America company, but you did in theory, grassroots experience and then going into management makes you such a killer. You actually know how operations run. Right. Versus just seeing it from like a, a spreadsheet or behind a cozy office. You've been in the field, you've seen how it works, you've seen the processes, and then you can take that and run with it and make it your own in the company or outside the company. So that IKEA experience is a gem. And most people would see it and be like, oh yeah, you were just like, you know, cashier. But like there's things inside these companies that you could use outside and make good money, make it well for yourself, you know? And construction is such a hard business to break into. So how did you, all right, so now you understand, all right, you laid the foundation, you know that you can be sub, but how did you actually go about, did you get the LLC first? Did you go and go and find your trades first? How did you set up? Oh, yeah, these are good questions. Um, so since I was so broke, uh, <laughs> I, um, I like, I incorporated my first business by myself online. Like I was going on like just Google. I went on like the department of, you know, it was, it's actually, you know how legal zoom charges $500. Yeah. It takes like five minutes <laughs> to do this thing. You know what I mean? Right. It's taking a, but I only knew that because I couldn't afford the extra $300 right. for legal zoom. So I was like, you know what, let me figure it out on my own. Um, so yeah, I, um, um, I, I came, I was, you know, towards my last like six months at uh, Ikea, I already knew I was already mentally checked out. I knew mm -hmm. I wasn't going to, you know, move up within the company because of, you know, company politics. I'm not going right. out for beers for the, with the managers after work. I'm like, right. I'm some, some care from the city. Like, I don't, I, we don't, there's no, right. But, um, so I, I incorporated first. Um, that's what I did first. So I came up, I uh, was already thinking about the name. You know, from I had like notes of different names, different names, um, and I went with Turnkey Design and Construction, and mm -hmm. that was because um, my uh, family wanted to do like a kitchen service at at our house, okay. and through IKEA because I was a kitchen designer, and um, they made people charge extra for Turnkey service, and I just wanted to have Turnkey as like that's it's the a, service we provide. It's we a beautiful name, man. It does hits it hits home what you're trying to say that you kind of know about a place Turnkey. So, Done, you know, I appreciate that. But, um, so I, yeah, I incorporated first and that was the first thing. So yeah, just between going online and just Googling and it wasn't easy, but I like figured it out. It was like 200 bucks. Right. Um, I did an S corp. Um, yeah, just based on just doing due diligence, you know, you, you got to find out what kind of entity you should do first. Mm -hmm. Once you kind of do your due diligence on that, then you actually make the entity. 
So I incorporated um, November 19th, 2002, 2013. Okay. So, um, so I started with that first. Um, and then I started to try to get, um, at first I started as a design service first. I was going to mm. segue into the installs. Um, first two years, I did absolutely nothing, to be honest with you. I did mm. one install, actually. I actually still have the check uh, from the guy for my first ever install. Um, and yeah, I got the insurances. Oh, you got to get licensed to my fault. Yeah. yeah. I got my HIC license. Um, which was like a packet, you know, you go to Department of Consumer Affairs. I Googled all of this, right. you know, went to Department of Consumer Affairs, got the packet, read it. It was like a 30 question test to get your, you know, home improvement contractor's license. So I got that. Um, you got to get the insurance. I had to get workers' comp insurance. So right. um, that was the first time even doing that, learning about that. And I think the first time you got to get it from the state fund of, you know, New York State in uh, workers' compensation board. So you know, I went through all of that, got licensed and all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's how. And so, yeah, we first started doing install. I mean, designs. First couple designs were horrible, man. Like, this you know, yeah. I drove all the way to Long Island and like they paid me. But like, you know, then my, you know, my first install, I used my cousin, my uncle and some guy that I met at Ikea who told me he did these on the side. Like that was even crazy. Right. Um, so that was like, I did one job in the first two years and I was doing real estate mm -hmm. and then back to this contract that I mentioned to you. So, um, on the back end, I was pursuing this Ikea contract with, um, with this contact that I had and he was just shooing me away for two years. Just kind of like, shoo, oh, right. shoo, shoo. And he finally kind of gave me after two years of telling me shoo, um, he said, I'll schedule a meeting with you in person. Wow. And that was kind yes. of my first big break, so to speak, because I had did one job in two years. But um, he set this meeting with me and I made a website mm -hmm. and um, I had not really been doing jobs. And he made me this meeting. He said, pull up your website, gave me the opportunity. And then I I had to get relicensed again. I was mm. pretending I, did, I got it all relicensed again because I was doing real estate. Right. And then um, that contract really changed the game for me. So gotcha. the moment I signed that contract to be like a subsidiary um, company under like Ikea third-party training or whatever their names are, um, my business, like the next day, right? I got a, a measure appointment. And then, you know, a week later I got an install. And that's really how I started. So I really started as a volume-based kitchen cabinet installation company. That's what mm. we were doing. We used to do, you know, kitchen cabinet, Ikea kitchen cabinet installs all throughout the five boroughs. Right. Um, but it was a volume-based business. Right. Um, as that happened, you know, people would start asking me to do more things. Oh, can you do demo? Okay, sure. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, um, my first demo job, I was supposed to put in a dishwasher. I forgot to put a, a power line in for the dishwasher. That happens. You know, it happens more than you think. But yeah, yeah. Well, it's my first job, so I had yeah. to fix it on the back end. Like, oh my god, right? I had it done though. I got it done. Yep. I'm always honest and I'm always integrity. Um, yeah. My first install. Um, back to uh, one of my first installs. Um, we butched the job, and um, I had to call in this sub from somebody that I knew to help me fix the job. Mm -hmm. Um, I paid him. Like three hundred dollars, he was only there for like forty-five minutes, mm -hmm. but he fixed the job. Um, and 
to back to why I'm mentioning this, the guy who came and fixed my install um, ended up subbing for me for years. And then he became a part of my company. Wow. And back to your like um, point about how I got into the space. You know, I have really reliable people on my team who have an exponential amount of experience mm-hmm. and I really rely on them and mm-hmm. their expertise to help me and make and guide decisions. So, um, 100%. Yeah. I mean, you, you put yourself out there, you put yourself in the universe to do and chart something. I consider having vector direction and magnitude, right? And as you're charting, you're pulling people in for your journey, right? Because like I said to someone before, if the universe is exponentially growing, infinitely in all direction, wherever you stand is the center of the universe in theory, right? And you can either decide to be a black hole or a light or a sun mm-hmm. and things will gravitate your direction, right? People mm-hmm. come into your life to provide guidance or you know help, but you have to start. You have to be the start. You can be a black hole or a sun. You choose to be a sun, people gravitate around your light. People will be happy to be around you. People will want to work with you and you, and they want to help a good, well-intentioned person. Mm. So that's what he saw in you. He saw the tenacity, the enthusiasm mm. to want to win. He's like, yeah, I would want to work with someone like this. Because there's a lot of people who just yeah. want to get the cash, but they don't have any integrity. Oh, no, nah, yeah. And contract I mean, this, like that, you know? A lot of times we meet guys who are not like that, you know? To, to also, for your audience and viewers, yeah. like everything you just said, Sun Call and that mm-hmm. stuff, the term that I feel like everyone else uses, you kind of mention manifestation, so to speak. Right. You know, 100%. You know, you, you know, like you said, you could be the sunk hole, you could be a, a negative person and just caught up in your problems, or you could be the light that you want to be into the world, like you mentioned. And yeah. like you said, I am a very genuine person. I'm a very positive person. I really work on that. Like, that's something I'm really, really big on. Like, right. the space I hold, you know, um, I really, really try to keep myself and mentally... Mm-hmm. in a good headspace to win you know what i mean because like you said construction's hard man it's tough. you know you gotta know, you gotta it's tough, you gotta, it's tough in the good and the bad you know what i mean right. and then there's there's you also was a real estate agent at some point too right while you're doing construction so yeah, which also helped. yeah i mean that really helped too so back to life-changing experiences too you know we were mm-hmm. talking uh, briefly about before getting on and how right. I got here and the luck. So um, back to a big part, pivotal part of the story that I guess we we glimpsed over was, um, so when I didn't get that job um, in corporate America that I thought I was going to get, right. I started the company. But the same week or week after I started that company, I was always interested in real estate. I met a guy mm-hmm. um, who was doing real estate in Bed-Stuy. It was like when Bed-Stuy started to boom. Yeah. And um, he was just mentioning how he, his name is Bon actually. Bon is like my OG um, business person that like, so like this entrepreneurial experience that I did, a lot of this, I got from being around Bon for two years. Bon was a very, he was a real estate agent, but you know, he was a very good businessman. And um, he also just, you know, immersed me to a different lifestyle, um, a different level of culture, a different level of living. He yep. like changed my perspective on life overall. Like yep. so for two for two years, you know, he was sometimes a son of a gun to work for. And he knows it too. You know what I mean? You know, we talk about it now. Like, I don't yeah. care what nobody says about you. You you're always gonna be my God, but you know you 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 ain't but 
Yeah. You know, he always says nicey nicey doesn't play the pay the bills. So right. you know, he's he's also willing, like his business man. Yep. He has no problem, yo. It's not. It's nothing personal. It's just business. business. And he was a businessman first. And some people just don't like how his businessman is. But um, I got a lot from that experience. Um, mm-hmm. even down to self worth. You know, I would see him walk out in million dollar listings if if they didn't give him the six percent commission. And right. seeing a lot of those developers call him back was mm-hmm. like really good business experience. Also, you know, um, learning about square footage. I was selling homes for developers too. So I was exposed to construction already Mm -hmm. based off of the real estate. And then also I had a a Haitian dad who wanted to fix all the rentals in the house himself. So I had a little bit of exposure, but at that point I was like, I'm going to pay somebody to do this. Ironically. Um, Right. Well, you know what? Having that real estate developer experience makes you see a big picture, right? Because you don't get pigeonholed in just the contracting because at the end of the day, the contracting is to develop the property so you can cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. And so that bigger perspective recognized like, hey, you can still make money off the tools, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning that you don't have to be on tools to actually make money. And the problem guys have when they're on tools is the backend administrative side of structuring and managing the business and um, curbing their enthusiasm to want to be on tools because we'll segue into it. There's big things on the administrative side that will break your back, right? Legal, procurement, lead times, right? Negotiating price and terms and conditions in your contract that mm-hmm. sets you up to win. Because you can go belly up in construction easy. I'll give you an example. One I have a contractor who's working with me. And at some point, when they procured their contract, it was like previously 50% upfront and then 50% at the end. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you procure your contract like that, you're asking to go belly up. Why? Because at 50%, you become my bank. You're waiting until the end of the project, after you finish punch list, after you finish everything else, uh, to hope, you know, you're paying material and labor the whole time. How about doing draws according to the amount of work you finish on site. That way you don't have to feel like you're my bank covering my material and covering your labor. God forbid you run into an incident on site. You know, you're fucking up the money and you're waiting till the end to get paid. So that's how like not structuring or procuring a contract well can hurt you. And you're doing it to your own self, not knowing the disservice you're doing to yourself. So, Tough lessons you learned in construction and like negotiating contracts. Like, how did you go about your procurement side of things? I mean, some to the point you just mentioned. I mean, I've experienced that too. I mean, mm-hmm. when I was in the volume based business, it was okay. I think that 50 50 because it was such a small dollar amount. Right. But um, as uh, you know, I went through that experience. I, mm. I was not letting obviously 50% till the end. Right. Right. I was like letting like 10% at the end, and that is still too much. Right. Now, like, Substantial completion, I need 99%. (laughs) I'm serious because 10% on, especially as sums get bigger, it's crazy. And then, you know, sometimes people start to think it's justified. It's like, no, the substantial completion means you can, whatever the technical definition of substantial completion is, the the space can be used Mm -hmm. for whatever intended reason was for it. So if you can now live in this space, that means... My job is technically done, and that's not ten percent. You know what I mean? That's a, right. that's 
that's a lot of money. That, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I went through that. Um, yeah, I do kind of what you mentioned. Exactly. You know, we do um, subsequent progress payments, mm-hmm. you know, based on progress. And um, that is definitely one tip. I mean, to your point about 50-50 as well, um, it's all about cash flow. Um, cash flow is king. king. And like you said, um, if you do not have your funding and the money budgeted properly, or you're not getting those draws when you need that money, then that can ultimately end uh, your project. And I also, um, you know, I took some online courses. I took a, a online course at NYU and I, I already um, knew that, but it was even seen interesting how like yeah. they like articulated that saying these same things, you know, you know, payment schedule. And, and luckily for me, yeah. you know, I have integrity. So mm-hmm. um, once we get something going, usually people don't have a problem paying me. They usually like want paying soon because they like, exactly. They usually want to pay me like, yo, I'm doing y'all thing, you know what I mean? Yep, 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 yep. No, it's um, it's very important because um, as you grow in, because I, it's funny we come at this at different angles because I work at Tishman Construction, right? But I see myself as an entrepreneur, meaning like I advocate for Roman Parchment LLC at all times, right? Like I will provide you good service, but I will get paid or com- or compensated accordingly. I know what. <laughs> I know how much money I'm saving or making you in the sense of being able to see problems before it become a problem, manage risk. Because the moment you get the contract, technically you've got, in theory, you got the money. What you're doing now at that point is reducing means and ways that you can, can lose money, right? If you're not efficient in the way you build in the job, you're going to lose money, right? If you're not buying material on time so that when the guys in the field need it, it's right there for them to use it, you're losing money. So it's like, mm-hmm. no, you've already got it signed on paper. It changes from sales and marketing and negotiation to risk management. How am I managing risk? What's the risk? Is all the plumbing done? Because if I put up sheetrock and I'm ripping sheetrock down and the client see that it's going to get friction on the job site, your trades are going to lose confidence in your ability to come up with a plan. Like you, you're managing risk up until the very end. Mm-hmm. Then again, back into sales and marketing to get new contracts, right? Yep. Yep. So how did you learn that sales and marketing side of the business? Um, ironically enough, I do think back to your point that real estate experience helped a lot. Mm. Um, and um, working back to Bond, I got to get my man Bond. His Bond, when I worked on the uh, real estate, he um he taught me how to self-promote. He was always mm. big on self-promotion. He's like, people have to know what you're doing. Mm. And um, I used to post the open houses from there. Right. So that one, I was already in the mindset of promoting myself, putting right. myself out there. So that was one. And then two, back to the sales aspect, I was selling million dollar homes. Right. You know, And uh, I'm like, if I can sell a million dollar home, Right. I can see a million dollar construction job too. You know what I mean? Right. And it's, I already do this. I like, this is. Yeah. You have built in reps. You have, you yeah, got your you reps. Know what I mean? yeah. And obviously I wasn't starting at a million dollar construction jobs. I started at a $2,000 construction job. So even right. more of a reason why if I just sold a million, um, $3 million home, I can sell a 2000. So yeah. I think um that mindset already was, that muscle was already instilled in me as far as the promotion. So mm-hmm. you know, now I'm, doing this for my business but i gotta put it out there i gotta i gotta put it on there i gotta gotta make sure that you know you gotta stay in front of people's face you have to let them know 
what you're doing, you have to stay top of mind, mm-hmm. um, especially as a small business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, and even from other colleagues, I did the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program. And, you know, one of the colleagues, you know, I talked to her, I was like, oh, you're always on LinkedIn. She's like, no, I'm actually not. I have an assistant who posts this, this, this for me. But she was like, you know, you got to be able to promote yourself shamelessly. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I mean, listen, like I could go back to my um, frame of work as a, an intellectual athlete. Athletes make money two ways, right? Mm-hmm. Athletes make money with their physical work that they do for the organization. Like get, LeBron's making money, but he's still an employee to the NBA or the organization that he works Lakers. for, right? He has to go. You can't, you can't call in, oh, I'm not coming to work on Christmas Day. You're going to go play basketball on Christmas and your kids are going to be home. Everyone's happy because you're getting paid well, but you're yeah. still technically... You, everyone has someone that they're providing a service to. That's just business. Business is service, client is. relationship and service management, right? He's providing a service. He's very skilled at what he does. So he gets paid more than the average person on the team as such because people come and see him do his work. That's the difference between corporate America and entertainment, basketball, and sports. When you're doing your work and I'm doing your work, no one's coming to see me put together an Excel sheet, right? right. It's not entertaining. It's pretty boring, That's right? Tough. When LeBron goes to work, people come to watch him do his work. As such, innately by the job function that he does, even a rapper, people come to see you do what you do. Ads and branding want to work with you because you have eyes on you. So when you start as an entrepreneur, who's not an athlete or a rapper, eyes on you is very important. Eyes on you is very important because that's when brands want to work with you, right? And brands recognize that if they put a hundred million in there and there isn't a person tied to it, they're not going to get the same rate or efficiency as spending 25 million and having it tied to somebody who already has eyes on them, right? Mm -hmm. So if, Nike don't have anybody who is Westbrook or LeBron or a rapper or someone in there. They have to spend so much more money to get the same level of return on investment. That's Mm. why they're okay with paying athletes $50 million deals. They're making $300 million in the back. Where if I'm spending $150 and still not getting the rate of return, it's business, right? It's just literally. I get paid more because I can produce more. Mm-hmm. He gets paid more because he can produce more. It's really yeah. that cut and dry. Baseball players get paid more than American footballers because there's more games in the season. There's more opportunity for ticket sales. There's more opportunity to generate cash. Yeah, you're running and getting hit, and it's a tougher sport, but one-to-one, they have more games in the season. So, yeah, they can get a $300 million deal for five years because they're making way more money on the back end of things, right? Yeah. So with that said, branding is super important. That's where most businesses fail when they start. They, work, they focus only on the operation and they don't recognize like, yo, that's what brings food into the plate, right? You can figure out, oper- you can hire in operation. Getting that eyes on you is the hardest part of business. You know, no, so you get a good lesson from this guy, man. I mean, I'm learning lessons from you too. You're educating me and I'm, I'm like... I try to consider myself a cool person, but the one thing that I'm like nerdy about is like, I love any, all things, business, mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. I love business stories. Like, so, right. um, you know, and I have a, obviously a good grasp on just businesses, how it works in perspective. Mm-hmm. So when you articulated the, uh, 
the baseball and the more games. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like now, yeah, that makes so much sense. You know? Yeah, it's just like it's just it's not it's not that they're being difficult. It's like this this back end of this. And when I talk to my trades on site, I tell them sometimes politics trumps logic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I'm doing. I'm asking you to do work out of sequence, but to to alleviate the pressure from the client, sometimes you have to do things out of sequence, just so that in the long stretch of the project, everything else is going to go smooth, right? Then you have to know when to push back. Like that's ridiculous. We're not doing that. This is what we're going to do, and it's a real push and pull scenario with your mm-hmm. trades mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. your client. And mm-hmm. imagine scope creep, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I know I procured this, but no, can you do this while you're here since you're already here? And like dealing with that nuance, you know? So when you write your um, proposals, like how do you ma- manage, like, especially on the residential side where majority of the clients you're dealing with have never dealt in construction in a professional setting. It's just a guy coming into the house. How do you manage like scope creep? Like guys, just asking to do quick things. Um, oh, that's a great question. I think well, one, it um, it's all about your processes. Mm-hmm. I think processes can dig can help get a lot of that. Right. Um, a lot of those processes that we implemented to manage that. Once again, back to the team. Right. Um, you know, I have someone in in the office who is great very very detail oriented to your point about scope creep um i think our proposals are probably more detailed and more line item than a lot of our competitors like yep um and that's back to the team you know what i mean right. um, so uh like i said i'm thankful for the team and, <laughs> and, uh, and um but yeah the processes and, and that's really how we we start to to, to manage that you yeah. know being on top of you know, your crews and, and those line items and, and doing that on a daily basis, checklists and things like that. And yep. really stay top of your, your scope of work. That is kind of the best way. It's, it's all a, 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 a give and take. And, and obviously on the residential side, I mean, you know, like you said, you mentioned the, uh, you said politics. So I was like, that's interesting. And I like, you know, Jay-Z is one of my, he got a song politics as usual. And mm-hmm. I use the term politics as, a lot as well. So that's yeah. the other thing. It's just the politics, and you got to know how to politic per se, right? Uh, and that's a lot of, a lot of it, you know. It's people so, management. Uh, it, 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 exactly. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Um, and you, you know, even hearing you say things, you're like, I feel like we're saying a lot of the things, but you know, we say them in different ways. And I'm actually getting a, a really appreciating just how you like articulate what you know what. My oh, thoughts. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, we, like I said, we're in the same business. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like a pro- the reason why project managers get paid the way they get paid is because they're mani- they're they're the linchpin between the company making and losing money, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything else, the CEO is managing legal and all of that, right? He's like maybe you could say the you could say he's more like the the owner of the football team. The project manager is the offense and defensive coordinator. I help, I win games by putting together a good plan. I keep winning games. People are going to keep coming to your stadium too because people want to win, right? Oh, so yeah, it's I just like, 
I know my position. I play it well because I know what I need to do. I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at, right? And the persons who are good at what they're good at, let them run and do their things, right? What you're good at, just double down on what you're good at. <laughs> you just double down on that. Everyone runs their play. Everyone plays their position. <laughs> as long as we stay organized and mm -hmm. stay on the same page, mm -hmm. we are going to win, right? Exactly. You know, so, and I see that when you say go back to the team because, you know, an, an entrepreneur has a stronger risk appetite than most of their employees, right? They're willing to just jump off and figure out the parachute while in the air, right? And everyone else who doesn't have that risk appetite, what what's exciting to you is stressful to somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. And what's mm -hmm. stressful to you is exciting to somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. So like everyone else on the back end, the things that you'd be like, all right, cool. I know how to figure this out. They would just completely hate it. And then when it comes to like, you know, the minutiae of the business that's super important. Having good proposals is your sword. Mm -hmm. It is your sword as a contractor. If people forget the root word of contractor is contract. Your contract mm -hmm. is your sword. It will tell you what I'm including, what I'm excluding. It makes it easy to find the line in the sand of what I did and what I'm not doing. If you want me to do more, you're going to have to pay more. And if it's not more, you know, if it's something that's easy, of course, I'm, and like that's where the politics and the relationship management is. You do things in good faith. But mm -hmm. if the person is not being fair to you, no, it just goes back to the contract. What's It wasn't written in the contract. This is what's going to cost to do the, what you're asking for. And, you know, we can move forward if we, you know, agree on a price. If not, this is something we're going to have to do at a later date. And it's just... When you're the captain of the ship, you're trying to go to England, there's so much things that come up, but we want to pull you to Brazil. No, we're not going to Brazil. We're going to England. This is the direction we're going, right? This is Jamaican, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the colonialism is talking. Let me start. <laughs> no. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, you got, you got to know how to like chart your way. You know, like you can't let you know, everything kind of derail you. And it's so crazy how things can get derailed if there isn't someone like yourself, like keeping it on track, pulling mm -hmm. it back on track. So yeah, man, it's just, you know, managing your strengths and weakness. What do you think is your, uh, suit, your strength or how did you figure out your strength? Um, I think you figure out your, your strength through trial and error. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, some people might be more, technically you know inclined such as yeah. yourself right um you know what i mean but um i think um yeah i think my biggest strength is is um is the people the the the, the people honestly mm. um like i always say especially as male is, is you know you know we talk about iq versus eq yeah i'm really big on eq to be honest um and not trying in like that's all about like self work and self, you know, self personal development and, and like intrinsic work. Because mm -hmm. once again, um, you know, back to you, we, we were talking about team. If I let my ego get the best of me, of course. Um, then I can like overstep people and, and they, and what they do that's better, that they do better. You right. know what I mean? And, and not get caught up on this title 
and yeah. and ego trip based off of position and you right. know what i mean um so i think like being mindful of that and knowing how to like you said that dance you mentioned earlier dealing with the subs when to push when to pull when to like right. when to put your foot down when when to set them straight but right. also when to you know what pull back too you know what i mean right. you got to know you know what we we will we will revisit this you know what i mean right. but also allowing your emotions get in the way of that so back yeah. to eq right you know i just mentioned eq you know i could have a disagreement with someone on my team i could have a disagreement with you know i've had arguments with subs before mm-hmm. in the past they're still course, my subs yeah. Yeah. you know what i mean it happens like screaming match but of course it someone with who my ego trip you could let that get into the way like you're now showing up the work next day and acting funny creating mm-hmm. a weird work environment i'm really really big on creating a a good work environment um where everyone's voice also can be heard and um everyone has to contribute and i also am big on like you know I'm not I'm not asking anybody to do something I will, I'm not willing to do myself. So right. um if I you know do this, you might be better at it, maybe certain things technically, but um so I think it's the people, really, honestly. Um yeah. and you know, networking and being open minded and those things have helped me progress in that self development of always looking to grow that incremental steps. That's that open mindedness uh perspective and trying to grow. You know, and I'm, and thank you for, like I said, the way you were articulated, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I am. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It helps having the pod because I interview people from different backgrounds, right? Like people who are artists, construction, um, entrepreneurs, employees, and everybody kind of has their own way of articulating it. But I'm always hearing it. So I'm able to like, oh, OK, well, I guess we may have listen. We have multiple ways to get to Manhattan. At least you're on the train and you get into Manhattan. So mm-hmm. however you get to Manhattan, you get to Manhattan. Some people don't even board the train. They're not even on the train. So when you get there, to me, it's like, all right, respect. I know whatever journey you took to get to this point mm-hmm. required you to have done a couple of things that we might have done differently, a little different, but it's the same result. You're in Manhattan. Respect. You know, that's the way I see it. And that's I see- a great perspective. Yeah, and it's just like once you see that, you just don't you don't fault anybody for their different approach. It's just an approach, mm-hmm. you know. It's just an approach you you use to get where you need to get because everybody's life experience and judgment was completely different. It's just like your fingerprint, right? But you're still a human being and you're a well-intentioned person. I respect you. That's one thing I learned being at NYU when I was mm-hmm. at Poly in downtown Brooklyn. I, I mean, everybody's from some sort of different background, right? It could be the guy from Long Island. My study group was Russian, Drew, a white guy from Long Island, Muslim from Egypt, right? This Jamaican dude from Jamaica, just, you know, everybody's just a melting pot of people and sure. the diverse experience. We, we get homework that we couldn't understand by ourselves. We do it together. We get it done faster. You get wow. back the rest of your day, then struggling, trying to figure it out on your own, right? Some of these persons end up becoming my, my best man in my wedding, right? Wow. Right. Half of those persons are in my wedding party as um, best um, um, wow. bachelor, uh, basically part of my whole wedding party, you know what I mean? So you right. learn, like, school to me was just I, different than getting the degree. Okay, that's great, but 
the people you meet along the way and how you develop a relationship with them through these strife and you learn. I'm like, yo, they might come at it in a different way. i give you an example. One o'clock at night, we're studying. Everybody's mom is calling. Everybody's mom is speaking a language I don't understand, but I know why mom's calling. And I know what he's saying in his different native language because she's like, why are you not home? I cooked. Where, where are you? Are you out doing this? No, I'm actually at the library studying. Different, brought, um, different backgrounds, same energy. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And at that point, it clicked to me. I'm like, yeah, everyone's a little different, but we're all the same, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just sad, the things that's going on in the broader economy. Um, but, you know, we forget the humanity of people. I feel like it's brothers fighting brothers. You know, mm. if Christians and Jews and Muslims are fighting each other, we're off the same Abrahamic tribe of people. Mm. It's literally like a father that has three sons and the three sons hate each other and kill each other. It's just sad. Mm -hmm. it's just generally, to get the politics, who this, who that, just generally, grand scheme of things, it's sad that brothers are fighting brothers. Ridiculous, mm. you know? I agree. Yeah, I saw you, um, you know, doing your thing. Um, I, I think persons of Caribbean descent and of especially the Caribbean descent where we're from, you know, understand what it means to stand up for your rights in this, the face of um, the man. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? The, the person who's holding you down. And, exactly. You know, I respect that side. And I was like, I respect this guy even more for being able to be out there with the people, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I mean, like I said, you, we can up, we can up. And that's why, like you said, these podcasts are important because once again, mm -hmm. you know, even your perspective, my perspective, you know, being, we were talking about it before this call, like, you know, as, you know, black men in construction, 100%. you know, the rarity of it. And, um, you know, obviously we want everybody to watch this, but yeah. you know how much of a rarity it is. I really do look at like no one in my space, like, Who's doing what I'm doing? I'm also doing like luxury too. So I'm like, right. Those uh, who who's doing luxury? Just yeah. Talk nice. That's what, I'm a drop some mic. Let me stop. No, no, you're dead serious. You're 100 percent serious because I did I did Citibank um, global headquarters right their lobby and you know banks when you step into the lobby they they're making it a statement piece. They want you to know we got money. And we're, we're well-intentioned. They're getting stoned from Brazil. They're doing the, things is coming from Europe. And everything has to be immaculate. Everything has to be perfect. And there are times I'm walking the job site, and they're like, okay, who's running the job? Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm running the job. You're running the job? I'm like, yeah, I'm running the job. To me, those second guests are like that offhanded, unconscious bias. I literally look past it because as I... the. If I'm putting points on the board, you can't deny me. You just okay. can't. I'm just putting too much points up on the board that it's just whatever you had in your mind or you felt or your self-doubt <laughs> or your, it's just going to be undeniable by the end of this project that you know, this is the guy. This is just I the am, guy. I am the guy. I am him. You know, I'm a <laughs> you know, but it's just, all right, cool. No problem. All right. You, you have, you know, self and like again athletes just think about it someone comes into the league the reporters are saying well he may be not be able to transition from college to high, um from high college to the nfl or basketball nba right 
Mm-hmm. Your job as an athlete is just prove them wrong. Just exactly. put points on the board and keep winning. The, the narrative is going to change around you, right? That's your true. narrative for me, that's your narrative for me. I have a narrative for myself. I'm a win and I'm going to win. Exactly. I'm going to do what's necessary to win. So I'm going to do my training. I'm going to make the sacrifice. I'm going to keep diligent. And the narrative is going to change. And so I come into rooms where before it's still the same. Like you come into planning rooms, it's just you that one black person. I literally come in the room on, on not, not insecure about that at all. We come in to plan the game. I'm going to tell you what I think is the best way to go about it. You tell me your way to go about it. And that literally over time just disappears as an issue. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. I wonder, um, do you have that um perspective because you do you think you were you, like did you ever like you didn't experience racism in Jamaica, obviously. It's not as bad as here. Okay, I think okay. growing up outside the Caribbean, outside of America, even though it's a third world country, gives you a level of um you get you get you get a level of confidence. I had to learn this coming here, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like because at first I just didn't understand that, but living here and keeping your ears and listening and observing makes you change your perspective. So yeah, growing up in Jamaica, yes, it's a third world country, but everybody's majority back and they're judging you on the base of your character, right? And you have an anchoring point that is, you have a culture, you know you can go back to your culture. You know you have a line that you can call technically your home if nothing else works out in theory. Mm-hmm. And you've, 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 you have people around you who have developed and mentor you to have confidence in your ability to get things done, right? Versus mm-hmm. someone here who is don't have that, right? And at every moment and every junction of your perspective is someone of a different race, right? Calming down and belittling. And like I said, compounding interest works with everything, right? Mm-hmm. So you have compounding interest in money. Overall, it takes a little bit of time and then there's an exponential growth. Little transgressions over the period of 10, 15, 30 years is going to obviously skew your perspective with everyone and be, there's going to be a lot more anger to it than someone who never had to deal with that in the first 15, 20 years of their life, right? And that's how I had to like be more like, okay, growing up outside of America is an advantage, not a disadvantage. Coming into the game later was an advantage. Yeah, okay, this is a first world country, but they have more things mentally bobbing them down and the structure is a lot more stringent than being able to build, I, I literally grew up in Wakanda. That's what I felt like. When my, I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah, it's hard. And it's usually pretty hard for a lot of Caribbean people to recognize it. It was because you come from like, you, you, when I was in the Caribbean, it's like, listen, I come from a place where like, basically you're lucky if you have running water in certain areas and though everyone's late, you, you're assuming everyone's lazy. It's not lazy. It's not lazy. It's not having mentorship not having a cultural experience that pushes you like if you know jamaica's is in everything literally anything there is bobsledding why is that the case because culturally we believe in hard work 
this it like I have white Irishmen tell me that like culturally like Jamaicans always have ten jobs like that's culturally what they know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Jamaica, we we have a we have a saying: "You're little, but we're taller." Right? Meaning that you might be small, but you're taller, or you're strong. Right? Small axe cut down big tree. So yes, we sir. enjoy literally. It fuels us when you like second guess because we know where we come from and we know we're from a race of people where we will work to the bone to get what we want. Right? And coming into the game with that energy and that confidence, it changes your perspective to your point. Yeah. So, uh, man. Uh, you noticed that? Yeah, man. It's just like, I think most people just, you got to just sit and observe, man. Just just take a look, observe, look at what your surrounding is giving you and have a plan from what they call first principle, which is unbiased, unemotional. Just look at it first and then building the new ones to it. Uh, who do you think on your journey, like overcoming trauma as a child, adult trauma, was your support team in getting to where you are right now? Um, I would have to say my family regardless. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously they're the ones who probably, you know, where does the foot trauma come from, from being around family. But yeah. um, I will say that um, they just, you know, always gave me a space to be me. Mm -hmm. Um, but based off of certain childhood traumas, to be honest, I really also, I would, you know, let me not be humble. Let me be real. Also myself as well. Yeah, too, you know? 100%. I, I, from a very, you know, young age, you know, I was emotionally trying to figure out, you know, decipher things um, uh, just personally. Mm -hmm. And like that, I don't know. I, I was always like, I guess, trying to figure out like um, solve or like, I guess, heal my pain, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what made me start like looking within, you know, back to like not being, um, you know, even back in school, I used to like lash out. So like, right. you know, I was already like, uh, like uh, lashing out emotionally from a very young age. So, you know, as I got older, I just, you know, I had to look within and said, Hey, like, um, if I want to. You know, me beefing, me having trouble or mad at the world or anybody. It's not, it's not the world. The, it's not going to make the world. I got to do it for myself. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. Like, because the world is not complaining. I'm the one that's complaining. You know what I mean? Right. So you really have to look within. But the thing is, though, to look within, you also have to look at like in the part in you play, it changed your perspective. And um, a lot of people want to get caught. Like perspective is so important and people just want to get caught up in you know, blaming the world for their problems. But like, if you look within, you, you will really get those. And I'm not, you know, I still have a work to go and it's a never ending process, but yeah. really looking within. But when you look within, you just gotta, you just don't only see the good, you see the bad, the ugly. Right. The, you know what I mean? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? And I think that's the part people don't want to face because then you have to hold yourself accountable. And a lot of people can't hold themselves accountable. How do you how do you go about the process of looking in? Like, how do you get to a point where that's what you're doing? And like, how does that work? That that that's like that. But some of that some classified information, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, but um, I will say that um, being open minded, I have yeah. like um, met people who like you know, introduce me to different things. I mean, therapy is one obvious yeah, one. Right, you know what I yeah, mean? Right. That many people do. 
Um, but I was just part of like different organizations, like real self development. I'm just into self development. Yeah, let's just do like that. Yeah, and when you get what I normally tell people is just make some quiet time for yourself. Yes. Because you're like, a PM, man. You're a different beast, man. <laughs> you're very technical. I understand people like I admire people like you too. You know what I mean? Like you're totally technically sound. You're like, even like I said, how you break things down. It's just the way your brain works. You're able to like break things, complex things down and break them down. Cause it's kind of like planning your project. I, I'll tell you where that come from. I was a terrible student. I was a very okay. bad student. I was a very bad um, I was good at art, but oh, cool. like math at some point got really difficult for me in high school, right? And I was just mm -hmm. so frustrated with myself. I just couldn't understand. There are two pivotal things in my life that I think if those two events never happened, uh, it would be different. One was tennis, like becoming very good at tennis. And the next one was becoming good at math, right? So for tennis, I was a fat, short kid in prep school, right? And uh, I just wasn't very athletic. I didn't take it serious. And, you know, you get teased or people wouldn't want to be your friends, et cetera, et cetera, right? And my mom got me a tennis racket and said, you're going to start playing tennis, right? And, you know, first first class, I'm like, he's putting my balls all the way out to the end, right? He's just a tough guy. Um, no one, no one, the kids wanted to play tennis with him for long because he was just rough, right? And I just kept come showing up, man. I just kept showing up to class, um, to the tennis class, and I just kept playing tennis. Like I played that break, didn't have much friends at that point, right? Um, so at that point, I would just play tennis at break, and I would play tennis at, after school, and I did that for a long time. And I noticed a change. A change moved from oh, it's a fat kid playing tennis to oh, he's losing weight. Like, oh, he's actually getting good at this. Oh, wait, he's become tennis captain now. Oh, wow. wait, you won, you won regionals. Oh, wait, you oh, won wow. nationals. Oh, so like, no, everything completely changed. You're not the fat kid just running around with a racket. People's perspective changed by you being disciplined. You change yourself, right? Yeah, everyone else has something to say, but you have something to say for yourself. And you're holding yourself accountable, right? And you're doing it for a long period of time. So that changed my whole perspective on anything. I ended up getting the principal award at the prep school. Because wow. passed for a decent school. And I wasn't a great student. I was always in extra class, right? I always was taking classes on the weekend just to understand things. And I recognized in myself and I just was okay and comfortable. Like I just take a longer time to understand something. But once mm -hmm. I understand it, I understand it, and it never mm -hmm. leaves. So just give myself grace. I'm like, all right, I'm Ooh. not this kid. This kid just gets it quickly. I'm just, just that's not me, but I'm going to get it. And mm -hmm. I have the work ethic to get it. I have the fuel. So I'm just going to drive a little longer, but I'm going to get there, right? So Dope. that happened. And then math just became real difficult in high school, man. I just was, it was just not clicking. Right, I wanted to do engineering and architecture at first, and um, I had a really good math teacher who had patience and grace. What was the patience and grace? He was bad at math and he got good at it. And he's like, what's your process of doing your homework? I was like, well, I see you do it on the board. And then I think I get it in class. And I look at the question and I don't get it. And I don't attempt the question because I don't get it. And he's like, that's where you're going wrong. You still have to attempt it and you still have to get it wrong 
And until you do that, I'm not going to help you. You have to get over that hurdle and do it. And wherever you get stuck is where I'm going to help you from, because that's the point where you're getting stuck. You may know half of it, but you don't know until you put it on paper. And once I got that, everything else was smoothed itself out. It's over overcoming failure, you know what I mean, so to speak. Right. And, and and not to segue, I also want to at least give your your audience something to your point about mental health, to about like things I've done. Mm-hmm. I've also done a lot of work related to like men's mental health specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even I'm also big on like you know you know true masculinity and what that looks like. Hundred percent. Um, and and being around things like that have like helped me just be intrinsic because when you know we talk about like not to just go off on a tangent like people like dv and all of that that's actually too much like feminine that's too much emotion last year like people should not be like men should not be doing these types of things right to like you know it's never it's like it's never okay to do that you know what i mean right but that's not the masculine side that's actually the the, like the like no energy yeah no a hundred should not be like how you? How dare you put your hand on a woman? Like what? Like right. you know what I mean? Like, well, I always with... think of it like a king in a kingdom, right? And it, your job as a man is to manage resources, right? Like and make decisions, informed decisions with your queen, right? So um, there's two perspectives on it that I have. One is, what does it mean to lead, right? What is what is everyone say? Okay, men should lead. What is what is leadership? What's leading? Like, let's break it down a little bit more. What's the actual tangible day to day activity that you're doing to lead? Lead means starting first, mm-hmm. right? So you want your 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 lady to respect you. You you put points on the board. <laughs> put points on the board. Work on yourself. <laughs> Pick out this direction you're going. You're going to be a plumber. I'm going to be the best plumber. I'm going to start my company. I'm going to run it. And it's not about how she's talking to me. No, it's how she's going to talk to me later once I put points on the board. People are going to respect the fact that you're putting points on the board regardless. So, all right, you have a problem. I have a problem. My problem is I have to get my life together. I have to organize. And once people see you've got purpose and direction, their, their conversation with you change. The conversation mm-hmm. with you change. Your respect happens. That's what leading means. Like starting, the, when I'm leading my guys in the field, all right, we're going to have a plan. This is the plan. This is what I'm thinking. What do you think? We think we need to do it this way. No, we're not doing it this way. How are we going to do it? And you're starting okay. that train. You're starting the momentum. And people are like, all right, we're on board with this energy. Let's go, right? Mm-hmm. That's one. The next one is the vantage point that your woman plays in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're at the front, because my brick layers are laying bricks, they may not see that conflict coming up because it takes so much work to be so technical to lay bricks. They may not see that there's a conflict coming up, right? Because they're focused on this. But me being the project manager behind them, I get to see a bigger vantage point, mm-hmm. right? That's what you woman, you're leading the front and you're dealing with the mock and the technical details, but she can see a bigger vantage point because she's behind you. That's why it sounds like a girl's nagging you because she's seeing things coming up, right? Mm-hmm. That you can't see because you have to focus on leading at the front, right? So part mm-hmm. of me is like leading at the front with my trades, but I'm listening. I'm listening to what you have to say. And then I, when I get a chance to think it through, I'm, I'm documenting that and thinking it through. Okay, yeah, that makes sense, actually. Um, she might be right. <laughs> 
I wish I could afford you, brother. It's not like we need to do some business together, man. Uh, yeah, we have to. This is the first start of that. This is a product that we're building together at this moment while we're speaking, right? That's a fact. So, you know, it's it's just seeing seeing that like I um that's why the offensive coordinator can see plays that the quarterback can't see. He's not under the pressure of throwing the ball. He can just look unapologetic of what the defense is giving him. And you can tell him, yeah, you know, listen, based on what they've done in the past and how it's charting, this is the play you should play. You could go off track, but, you know, you, you trust him. There's a reason he's getting paid millions of dollars to just look at his clipboard, right? You know, so... So how do you? I, I always I equate that also to like boxing, just so you know. hundred percent. Like the coach in the boxing watching you in the fight, you can't see what's going on, but they see it from the from the outside in. A hundred percent. Like Mike Tyson is a Mike Tyson without Costamano. Like he has the raw talent, but Costamano, Tyson's. I love boxing, by the way. It's like high speed chess, it, you know. And uh, Crawford is my favorite boxer. Just because I don't know of if he can Canelo, though. I don't know if he can handle Canelo, though. He I know, like he can't. He knows that. Like, okay, Canelo, cool. Okay. He knows that. He knows that. He knows that. He knows that. <laughs> so those two guys, Canelo and Crawford, are one of my favorite because they're counter punchers, which means him, Canelo, and Javante, actually. Because mm -hmm. Javante, they they watch what you're what you're doing. Like there are two different types of boxers to me. There are people who have a game plan, and this is what I do. And that's how I'm doing it, right? And they're going to impose their game plan on you, right? Mm. That's what Errol was trying to do to Crawford. Crawford and Canelo and Javante, their game plan is way more fluid. It's watching what your game plan is and looking. They're hackers. They're looking at your firewall and they're finding weaknesses in your pattern. They're pattern mm. recognizing and they build their game plan off that. So when Crawford was there with um Errol, and Errol is not even he's not picking up that his pattern is everything starts from his jab, right? That's his piston starter. If he can't get his jab off, he's going to get confused. So what Crawford did, took away his jab. Mm. And when watch and he's he's jabbing, he's jabbing and jabbing back at him at the same time, and Errol isn't taking his head off the line, right? Like he's jabbing, but he's just jabbing with a straight face. And Crawford is jabbing and ducking at the same time. So over two, three rounds of someone hitting you with a jab and you can't hit them, it starts getting into your psyche, right? It's little nuanced details like that, that what makes Crawford and Canelo and Javante better than everyone else. It's not the physical. I was just wondering why didn't at that point that's when your coach gotta say like yo bro like you know what I mean right you have to have a good coach like to 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 pick up that yo bro you're not taking your head off your line but here's what when you get so far in your game it's hard to learn that you have to learn that as you were growing up through the amateurs right that's you kind of get stuck in your own patterns at that point and mm. Crawford game is looking at people and building a game plan and. Errol's game is, this is my game plan, and I'm imposing it on people. So your framework is completely different. Yep, yep, yep. You know, Crawford doesn't have a game plan. His game plan is watching you. He's looking at you and building his game plan in the ring. These guys come with a game plan pre-script, and they run the play. And if anything comes up outside of that, dead goose. Oh, uh, yeah, you're fooled. Yeah, man. So, no, it's... 
So you played, you played well, football or basketball growing up? Like, what's I, played, your sport? I actually played, you know, played soccer as a young, young kid. Mm-hmm. Then I played high school football my junior and senior year. Gotcha. Um, and then, um, I mean, leisurely, I've boxed. So when you said you're not moving your head on the line, I know you were right. talking about. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. I always think having a sports mind frame with anything you do, cooking, being a leader, anything you do, if you have, like, most leaders have a sports background or have done play that sport. If I had, like, kiddies playing a sport, you, of course you have to. Yeah. You're learning leadership, you're learning strife, you're learning how to take L's and win. Feeling like there's so much life lessons that come through martial arts or any sort of sport you play. Skill development, you got to do it. Like people respect you for it. All the leaders that I know are, have played a sport or was of sports actively, not like show up to practice, but play to win, you know? So of course, no. So what you do now as like, you know, the stressful construction is stressful, life is stressful, the economy is going crazy. What do you do to unwind and relax and take your mind off certain things? Um, so to your point earlier, I mean, I think, you know, we talked about habits. Habits are really, really important. Mm-hmm. And um, I try to put have daily rituals yeah. to keep me grounded as opposed to like, you know, waiting till I'm stressed to decompress. I'm sure those things are that too. But um, one thing is about being proactive. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, like, it's just my routines that I have. So, mm. I, you know, I wake up, my Alexa gives me an affirmation. You know what I mean? I'm oh, putting nice. positivity in my head from the first moment I make up. Okay. Uh, then, I, then I go and pray. Then I listen to another, like, prayer from a, like, app. And then I go to the gym. I don't go to the gym anymore to look good. I think, luckily, back to you, me and me in the park. Yeah. I now got the foundation where, you know, I'm really going to look good regardless. Yeah, regardless. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But, so maybe it's easier to say that, but I, I really work out for mood regulation. A hundred percent. It's really solely to, to like, keep myself in a good space. So 100%. I go to the gym in the morning, four out of five uh, mornings a week. Um, squats, squats are probably one of my favorite workouts, honestly. Like I do, I love a little upper body, love that chest. Right. When I walk out of squats, squats, my endorphins are like. A hundred percent. So, um, so I do that and then I come back and I meditate and, mm-hmm. um, I, and then gratitude. So I think back to unwinding, I think it's really about daily rituals to keep you grounded day to day. Does that mean I never get stressed? No, I'm not saying yeah. that. But a daily practice to keep your head in the game is is so vital, especially as we go further into this digital economy right. where our attention is really what you know companies are fighting for, you know, the social medias and things right. like that. So you really like as much as you want to work out your body, you need to be having a brain gym subconsciously, mentally daily that you're like working out to make sure that it's in good standing to operate in this world that's like everything that's coming at us yeah this is the ads that we see in a day a person back in the day would only see that for a whole year so it's an exponential growth in ads and people vibing for your attention right and the most stressful thing in general as a ceo or anyone running anything is people are vibing for your attention at work right because it's not as a CEO, your job isn't like the CEO 
project manager and president have kind of the same role. They have advisors and they have technical people and they get stuck with a problem and they come to them with questions to solve that problem. (laughs) Exactly. So you literally drop, you're sitting down and just king, same thing. People come and you're playing referee and judge and relationship management person. You're coming with the problem to get them unstuck so they can go on their way, right? Mm-hmm. And that's taking up your attention. And then there's also what you're seeing on your phone, right? And things that are vibing for your attention there. And I love how you said this, and this is very important, what you said. And most people don't know that, which is you work out not just for your physical looks, but your mental um, your mental productivity and stress. And I, I see stress as a build, like when you have high pressure or high pretension, the pills they give you is to relieve water out of your system. Because it's like, mm-hmm. think of your blood vessels like pipes and you have an excess amount of water that's pushing mm-hmm. on those mm-hmm. blood vessels, which is causing the pressure, right? What's the easiest way to get water out of your system? Sweating. Sweat. How do you sweat when you work out? Go work out and sweat. Then you're going to relieve all that pressure off those pipes or your vessels mm-hmm. and you're going to feel a lot better. You don't need to take pills to go work out. That's why, to your point, being proactive, the pills is a byproduct of you not working out, you not taking care of yourself, you not sweating enough, right, to get that pressure out of your system. That's why you feel so much better. You literally have released the pressure physically off of your body, you know, through sweating. No wonder I love the steam room and hot yoga. Yeah, of course, a hundred percent, man. That's that's you. Your daily routine is what is necessary, you know? Um, and the mental routine of having a spiritual background is super important. So for me, my favorite book I'm reading right now is called the Maxwell Leadership Bible, right? Mm. So it's a Bible, but it's taken out of the Bible segments of leadership and highlighting it. Like, mm. here is the the Bible, this is the verse, you're reading it, but here's it how this person wasn't a good leader. Here's how this person was a good leader. Here's how you could use it pragmatically in your business endeavors, right? Mm-hmm. But also still getting the spirituality of reading the Bible. So no, I respect the hustle, man. Yeah, least- I'm always into spirit. I mean, I've always been a spiritual person. And I think that's also been a mm. big part of my um journey to your point. Yeah. Um so yeah, man, I'm just trying to stand up i've been sitting too long yeah no worries um but yeah no yeah i mean spiritual practices is the thing i will you know like we talk about manifestation and and all of that type of stuff but yeah man we just gotta do our best to keep ourselves in the and like like i said it's it's all a mental game it's all a mental game all a mental game i'm just i try to do my best to stay grounded mentally um, but you know, other things to help unwind to give your you know the audience also something else is you know even I don't do it all the time, um, but I do would like to do it more like just journaling too. Um, journaling actually is a really really like yes like when you like and I don't like it's not like topic journaling I like will just thought dump free write you write you know what I mean just whatever's in my head I'm just like it might be my day mm-hmm. it's just like oh well, well this was going on in my life like you know what right. I mean that is also very like I literally feel like the mental. Like this after, yeah, 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 it really clears my mind. No, that's a good one, and um, most people don't. I think I, I journal through to do lists, but I think you're to your point. 
um, writing it down on paper. And then when you go back to it and you see that problem you were facing and you're like, oh, wait, you have a documented way of showing yourself. You've gotten over problems before mm-hmm. and you can get over it again. Because like you look at, I remember how stressed I would be in college and you think that's the, the largest antagonizing force you've ever caught. I see it like literally seasons in a movie or a TV series. And every antagonizer, you're like, how is he going to get past this? Season two. You got past it, and then a new one comes, and you, you keep figuring it out. As long as you stay grounded, well-intentioned, hardworking, disciplined, you won't get past the problem. You just you just want to get past it now, and you just got to give Father time and yourself grace to get past it, you know? So, Absolutely. With that said, I want people to be able to reach out to you when they have their rental jobs, when they have their homes to, to, to take care of. So what is your social media so people can reach out to you and get in touch with you i appreciate that um my business page is turnkey dc Mm -hmm. um that's my instagram page we're pretty active on instagram Mm -hmm. we have a facebook page we have a linkedin page so whatever platform you're on we are there tiktok page coming soon Mm -hmm. but um yeah i mean instagram i would say is just the most and we you know we have educational videos on if people wanted to like learn about construction, mm-hmm. we got what we're doing on these projects. Um, just we just try to be a a, a source of, of value to all, to our prospective audience. Right. And then my personal Instagram is Lance underscore underscore or maybe one underscore Bertrand, my last name, um, on Instagram as well. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook as well. But, um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Yeah, and I'm going to link all of that in the show notes when I put it together. And, you know, Lance, like I said, we've probably met one or two times physically in person. But I feel like I know you even before this podcast based on, like I said, there are bads about social medias. But there's also really good things with social media. And this technology decentralization has allowed us to see authentically people when they present mm-hmm. themselves in an authentic way and you don't need legacy media to paint the picture of what this is and what that is because all of us as gen um, millennials and gen z, gen z gen x can see what's happening elsewhere outside of what legacy media is telling you right mm-hmm. and you know you can get a genuine unbiased opinion and that is important because emmett till picture changed a lot for us so what is it then being uh, being able to video what happened to persons when they're getting arrested changed a lot for us because it's unbiased. It's a photo. It's not me telling you the story. It's technology capturing the moment, right? And that's what's happening now. And I thank you for coming on the podcast and genuinely and authentically expressing your story of how you got here because it's not easy i know it's not and i respect thank you so much i appreciate that i really really do thank you for having me absolutely brother you keep safe all right i will do